18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach uh, what he taught. He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, whatsoever I have commanded you. And so these are the things that Jesus commanded them. This is what, as they walked through the journey with them, these are the things that he, he commanded them. And he said that we're to teach those things. And so that's what I'm trying to do uh, with my very best uh, as, I, as I go through these things to try to, to make it very clear. So I have a word of prayer. We're going to start. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love. Lord, please, I ask you tonight to continue to give clarity. Lord, you've blessed in the music, blessed uh, uh, with a group of people here tonight. Lord, I pray, please, that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would anoint me with your fresh oil, and that you would help me to say what needs to be said tonight, and that it would be a help. That, Lord, I, I'm not just trying to go through information. I want somebody to glean something that would make a difference in their life and in the lives of others, that they have the opportunity to influence so, Spirit of God, I, I yield myself to Thee, and I ask You to, to please to guard us, protect us. And, and, Lord, we know that what You said, You have all power, and You have the power to turn back every enemy that would try to uh, snatch away the truth tonight, that would try to bring conflict tonight, to try to uh, disturb us tonight. But, Lord, I, I, we trust You that through uh, Your power that that will be turned back in, in the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that You please bless us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to run through these, but we started out uh, with number one was repent. He said to repent uh, of the disbelief of Christ and believe in, in Jesus. And number two, he said, after you get saved, if you repent and trust Christ, then, uh, then it's to follow. He said, follow me. And so once you believe him, you are to follow him. And then, uh, and then number three, he said to rejoice because as you follow him, you're going to run into trials and, and persecutions. He said, so to rejoice in that. And why are you rejoicing? So you let your light shine as you go through those persecutions. And that was a command, number four. And then he said to honor God's law. And uh, that's the way that we continue through our day-by-day -day life to let the light shine is by honoring God's law. And then he said, be reconciled to those you have offended. Do not lust. Keep your word. Go to the, go to the second mile rather than retaliate in vengeance. Uh, love your enemies and pray for them. Be perfect for he is perfect. Or, and of course that means in maturity, be growing in Christ. Do what you do in sincerity uh, sincerity uh, <clears throat> to, toward God uh, and not in the show to man. That, and number 13 was lay up treasures in heaven because that re really is important. And number 14, judge not that you be not judged. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, he said. And we talked about that at length in uh, a prayer. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Enter the straight gate. Beware of false prophets. Pray for laborers. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Fear not those that seek to destroy you. Hear God's voice. Let him that hath an ear, let him hear. Come unto me, he said, and take my yoke upon you. And, and that's one of those that we really concentrate on because, again, uh, God said, Jesus said, you come to me. Uh, and, and, and as I've said uh, several times, uh, yeah, I think today what we really want to do is we want to bring Jesus to us. And we want to say, you know, I, 
want you to come to me, Jesus, and, and I'll take you so that I can continue being what I am while I have you. But he doesn't say that. He says, if you're going to take me, you're going to come unto me. And so, and then he says, beware the leaven. Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And, and then uh, number 26, deny yourself. He said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up a, his cross and follow me. And then 27, despise not the little ones. We just last Sunday dealt with that. Despise not the little ones. Don't offend them. Don't hurt them. Uh, the, you know, and the Lord makes it really, really important. I mean, he, he says if we, if we hurt the little ones, if we hurt the young Christian, if we somehow become a stumbling block to them, he, he said, God basically said, I'll deal with you. That's a, he just takes direct right there. He's, he makes it real clear. He said, I'm going to deal with that. And then uh, uh, he says to go to the offenders. That's what we were talking about, I believe, this morning. Go to the offenders. More of our brothers shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him. So he says, uh, number one, don't offend. Number two, you know, in these last three, go to the offenders. And then number three, forgive the offenders. And so that uh, brings us to tonight's command. And tonight's command is found in, and, and this is a, the, one of the few that we're going to go over to Luke for uh, because it's a command. It's a command that's not found in Matthew, but as best as I can tell, it fits in uh, at this point uh, with Matthew. And it's Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And so here's the next command. He says, beware of covetousness. Uh, now, uh, this verse comes out of Luke, and as best I can discern, it fits pretty much at this point. And, and truthfully, I believe it beautifully connects with what we've been doing so far. And here's, here's how I mean that. We have just been learning to be careful not to offend, especially the, little, the young ones. We've learned to go to those who, who trespass or offend us. We led, uh, uh, this led to the command to forgive the offenders. And now the Lord will teach us why we struggle with those who have offended us. Why we struggle to go to them. Why we struggle often and end up hurting others. And it really comes down to just very simply uh, this verse. He said, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. You think, how is that keeping us from that? Well, this, there's two great reasons we struggle with any relationship. And, and, and it's going to be the next two commands that we have. And, and all this has been about relationships, how we're to, to, to build people and how we're to mend relationships and how we're to forgive those who have, who have hurt us. And, and now we have this, this situation come. Two great reasons we struggle with relationship. Number one, covetousness. Covetousness. And, and that word covetousness means fraudulency or extortion or covetous practices or greediness. You know, basically, covetousness is just simply wanting something that we don't have, wanting something that somebody else has got. Simply put, we care more about the money and our possessions than we do about the relationship. And this is such a danger. It's one of the things that we've, we've taught. We taught our children. Uh, we've, we've taught in our family conferences, everything. The, the, and we've taught here at the church, but I'm going to keep pushing it. And that's this. Uh, there's never a dollar been made that's more important than a relationship. There's never a possession that, that anybody could have that's more important than a relationship. Uh, you know, I, 
I'm telling you, they, I've watched families just be destroyed over inheritances. Uh, you know, because somebody got something, somebody didn't have. Or they start, I, I was in, uh, I lived with an aunt and uncle in Kentucky for a year. Won't tell you why. But anyway, uh, I, I lived there in 10th grade. I was with them in Kentucky. And, and uh, they went out to this farm. There's some friends of theirs. And as I got to go explore the pastures, like I got to explore it in my home to here in Tennessee, I took off across uh, those fields. And there in the middle of pastures, in some old overgrown road, it was a mansion back there. And when you go in, you would look in the windows, and there were spinning wheels and, and everything, antiques, incredible Fully furnished mansion. I went to my uncle. I said, what in the world? You know, what is this? I mean, uh, can we go in and get this stuff? He said, no. He said, years and years ago, the family, you know, this family died. These things are, some of these things are probably priceless, but they're just rotting inside because they could not agree on, on how to divide it up. So it's just set left rotting. Nobody can touch it. Silliness. But the scripture says, listen with the scripture when we read that verse, it says, For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A life uh, defined as of abs the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. You know, God says, you know, it's everything, your life. And he says, you know what? Everything that makes up your life, it doesn't consist at all in the abundance of the things you have. He said, that's not what your life's all about. I've said this again to, you know, so many times, but I'm growing up and rearing our girls uh, for all our life. And if you're struggling right now rearing children, let me tell you, it's okay that if they don't have everything everybody else has. It's okay that they don't have all the toys and all the gizmos and all the clothes and all the things. It's okay because we grew up not having everything everybody else had. I grew up that way. My children grew up that way. But bless God that was not what was important because we didn't have everything everybody else had, but today we got everything everybody wants. And that's a, a family that loves each other, a family that, that it has the priorities right. And listen, I will come back from heaven if I, if I die and any of my children start arguing over anything. I'll come back. Hopefully I'm in heaven, but, the, but I will come back. Because, listen, just, that's going to be in, in there. It's written down. I've even written it down and, you know, on my computer. It says, in case of death. And it just says, hey, stupid, don't fight over nothing. <laughs> Fullness of life is not found in our wealth or possessions, but in the peace of God that passeth understanding. Luke 12, 16 says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what my wife are going to do next week and uh, but God, you don't understand that do you but God said unto him thou fool this night thou, thy soul shall be required of thee then who shall those things be which thou hast provided so he that layeth up treasure for himself is and is not rich toward God covetousness will create conflict 
That's what co- covetousness creates the conflict. The Lord's been teaching us about how to have right relationships, and he's warning us now, this is one of your number one factors in creating conflict, is covetousness. And so the pattern continues as the Lord is teaching them and us about relationships and what destroys them. Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conversation or your behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, you know, you've got everything that's important. Do you know that? If you don't have a dime in a bank right now, if you're saved, you've got everything that's important. Because he said, listen. Look at it again. Let your conversation, your behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he saith, listen, for such things as ye have, for he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do you understand? He's saying, do you understand? You have me. As such things as you have, you have me. And I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And what's happening there? Y'all understand what's happening there? Is that me? Is this this thing or what? Y'all don't hear that? Was it me? Did you hear that? Okay. All that, that is of real importance, if you have it, can never be taken away. Did you hear that? All that's of real importance, if you have it, it can never be taken away. You may walk away from it, but he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The second reason we struggle with relationships is found in the next command. So the first reason that we struggle with relationship is a violation of this command, which is if we fail to heed it, and he says, beware of covetousness. The second reason you find in Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 and 33. Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 and 33. It says, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? You see, the command here is to have compassion like Jesus has compassion on us. Do you understand that command? We owe him everything. Talk about being in debt. We have a sin debt that should send us to hell. Jesus is paying that debt for us. And now he comes and he commands us and says, Here, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant? And what he's saying is, shouldn't you have compassion on each other the way I have compassion on you? Jude one twenty two says, and of some have compassion making a difference. If compassion are making a difference, do you understand that the lack of compassion fails to make a difference? You see, we would have greater influence with people if actually they knew we cared or thought we cared at least. We can have greater influence. Have compassion even upon the ones, and watch this, this is what the, the text is really about, This is true compassion and really goes down to the root of who we are. But the Lord says, have compassion as I've had compassion over those who owe a debt. 
But in here, it's, it's got a financial connotation because God knows us again. And he's saying, you want to show me that you really have compassion? Well, have compassion toward those who owe you. Folks, if you are struggling for money and somebody owes you money, how you doing? Am I the only one that's broke? If you're struggling, and this is really the direct application. Of course, we owe such a debt. We, this is just a financial illustration, but I believe it has that implication. Uh, even upon those who owe you, you know, you have compassion when you have compassion on the one who owes you something. Compassion it means to have mercy, help one who is afflicted or seeking aid, to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched. Compassion means caring about the needs of of others, but it goes past just looking and saying, okay, this person has a need. It says, I'm going to have compassion for people who owe me already and have a need. You know, this ties back into kind of what we talked about this morning. I, as I said, I, I, I have loaned money to people and never been paid back. Can I tell you, when God really gets a hold of my heart, I've loaned money to those same people again. And, and I'm going to tell you, I know I'm not going to get paid back. But compassion says, let me care about them even though they owe me. Don't you see the correlation? Jesus has compassion on us even though we continue to sin. We keep adding to the debt. Now, he's paid it all, and I understand that. But we don't... <laughs> We just keep adding to it with our continual sin, and he continues. His mercy endureth forever. His grace is, uh, his mercy is sufficient. His grace endureth forever. Compassion to have mercy. Uh, I understand in our society some of the biggest offenders are not ones who cannot pay, but will not. And I understand we deal with a little bit different society because in this it sounds like in the illustration, if we went through the whole illustration, what it really is, is it's somebody who owes something who cannot pay. And so the illustration is have compassion on them. Well, I, I'm telling you that, of course, God's telling us, he, he doesn't really go into detail here, but I know we also deal in this society with people who owe you that could pay you but won't. Can I tell you? He still says, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. It's still true that even though they could pay you and don't pay you, God says, you know what? Have compassion on them. Still. Now, I hope we can grasp this. See, Christianity goes to the extreme. It asks us to do that which our flesh doesn't want to do. We don't understand. We even say at times that that can't be right. I'm sorry. I thought it was. <laughs> Amen. My existence, my purpose, my hope, my desire is not and should not be the abundance of the things I possess. And therefore, my existence, my purpose, my hope, my desire is not diminished or even affected by the loss of a possession. 
Does that make sense to anybody? Since, since everything that I am and everything that worthwhile that I have cannot be taken away, and everything that's important cannot be taken away, the loss of possession shouldn't diminish anything. Nothing of, a temp, of t- eternal value can be taken from me, and nothing of temporal value can be taken with me when I leave this world. You understand that? Nothing of eternal value can be taken from me, and nothing of, a, of temporal value can I take with me. So how important can it be? Everything that's truly important I already have. So why in the world would I allow the loss of anything change my spirit? I'll tell you why. Because I'm human. But the fact is, is that if it does change my spirit, that still doesn't make it right because God's principle says it shouldn't. And he's trying to get across to us, you, you, you can have compassion toward anybody if you just realize that nothing that they took from you, nothing that they got from you, nothing that they misappropriated, nothing that, that happened that way, nothing can change what's really important. My relationship with Christ. Amen. How much evil would be eliminated if we simply obeyed these two commands? Now listen to me. He's first said, do not covet. Beware of covetousness. And that, that sounds a whole lot like one of those terrible Ten Commandments that's been done away with. Anybody notice that? And I say it really hasn't been done away with, but that's the word out there, is that those terrible Ten Commandments, they no longer exist. Well, apparently Jesus thought they did. He must have thought it was kind of important. But listen, if this just this one, if we would obey this one commandment, beware of covetousness. If covetousness, and then we joined it with the second commandment to have compassion, if covetousness is replaced by compassion, we would have no theft, no robbery, no stealing, no misappropriations, no embezzlement, no lying, no cheating. No adultery, there would be no false balances, no dishonesty, no falsifying of information, no manipulations of the truth, and it could go on and on. Because really at the root of those things is those two things, covetousness and the lack of compassion. Now you may think or say that this is not my problem, but, but listen... When we look at it, we think, okay, well, you know, I, I, I really, I, I don't want anything. Well, that's probably a lie. But the truth is, is here's how you check yourself out. We don't call it covetousness. We sort of compare. You see, we, we kind of say, man, he's got a really nice truck. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, DeMarcus. Come out there with that. Sure wish I was a fireman. Get nice trucks. You know, I saw uh, Brother Roy. You know, he was, he was there looking in Brother Vince's truck this morning. And I said, uh, hey, you want to see one really nice? Come look at my Dodge. 
He said, man, this thing back here is like, you know, it's everything. And I said, yeah, it's everything, mine's not. <laughs> you know, but the truth is, it's real easy. You know, I, I felt so good about that truck until Brother Allen drove up in his truck. Until Brother Vince drove up in his truck, and I thought, stink, man, I got ripped off. We compare. We start to think about, uh, you know, her clothes are nicer. They have more talent or ability. Everything just kind of, we, we don't really call it covetousness. We just kind of compare. We need to be really careful. Because I just help you, but that's real close to covetousness. It's a real fine line there where we, that's why God says not to compare ourselves with ourselves. Because in, in reality, it's a form of covetousness. We wish we were like them. We look like them. We walk like them. We talk. I mean, even right now, most of you are coveting this body. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Why are you laughing? You ought to be coveting this. <laughs> now, covetousness takes what is not yours. Jeremiah twenty-two seventeen says, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness, and for to shed innocent blood, and for oppression, and for violence to do it. You see, covetousness is the thing that drives us to lie, cheat, and steal. It's what pushes us to manipulate. It's what pushes us to, uh, honestly, you know, to go to sell something, and we really need to get top dollar out of it in order that we can get something better. And, but we don't tell everything that's wrong with it. You know what I mean? Because we covet to get the money. The, uh, and I've already told this. Goodness, that, wow. Um, I, uh, I went, uh, you know, I got that little truck, uh, that uh, whatever, what is that, Ford? Something. What's those things called? Ranger. That's it, Ford Ranger. It's broken down. But it wasn't broken down at the time. And uh, the guy across the street, I didn't have sell sign or anything on it. He just came across. He said, I heard you wanted to sell it. And so I told him, you know, what I would, you know, I said, well, I'd, I'd really like to get such and such out of it. And he said, uh, he said, well, okay, I'll give it to you. And I said, no, no, man, you got to drive it first because this, this thing's far from perfect. And uh, he said, no, he said, I'll just, I'll buy it. He said, my, you know, cousin or whatever needs a truck like this. He said, I'll buy it from you. I said, no, you won't. You'll drive it because you live across the street from me. I don't want you hating me. I said, so you drive it. And it, it took me three different times to finally tell him, look, here's the keys, get in the stupid thing, and drive it. He said, well, it must be okay you drove it over here. I said, that don't make any difference. You drive it. He took it down the road and took it for about five minutes, came back, and he said, I don't want it. <laughs> you know what? That's good. And I told him, he said, I'm sorry, man. I said, no, I'm not sorry. That's what, look, I don't want you to have it if it's not what you think it is. 
Compassion gives what is yours for the needs of others. 1 John 3.17 says, But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? God said, God said, really, you say you have compassion and people have needs and you don't want to meet those needs? You don't want to help people out? You don't want to meet that? Look, and folks, that even goes to telling people about Jesus. You know, they have a need for salvation. And what kind of compassion we have if we won't tell them? So ask yourself this question. What is your greatest desire tonight to have, to gain? What is your, your greatest desire right now? What, in your mind, in your heart, if you could be honest, what's something you really, really want? What's something that once you get it, as my, my old buddy Joe Whittig would say, once you get it, now you'll be happy. Every time I ever say anything to him, I say, oh, you know, he always has these magazines in his truck, and he always wants me to go hunting and go fishing with him. And so I, I look at it, and I think, wow, that's nice, and that's nice. And, he's, and he says, yeah, let's get that. Then we'll be happy. You know what he's saying? Nothing you get's going to really make you happy. Because every time you get something, you're going to want something more. And every time you get a little better, you're going to want it more. What is your greatest desire tonight to have, to gain? What do you really want? What would really please your soul right now? Or what would you give to change a life tonight? You know, that's really, we had a faith, our first missions conference and and increased our faith promise given. And, and hopefully you're continuing with that. I think we're doing pretty good with that. But you know, that's really what it is. It's when you look and you say, you know, I have this. And man, I, you know, Lord, if you give me this amount of money, I'll, I'll give it. You know, if the Lord comes down, he does this sometimes. He's done it for us. And I've seen it, you know, I've heard of testimonies where somebody will pledge, you know, $1,000. And, and a week later, they get a $1,000 check. But now what are you going to do with it? You said, Lord, give me $1,000, now I give it to missions. And now he did. But you need to repair something, or you need to get something, or... How are we doing, folks? I'm going to tell you one of the toughest things that I ever did in my life. I, I, I've never done good with investments. That's why if you have financial issues, I tell you, go talk to Brother Hopper, because you don't want to talk to me. Because anything I ever invest, it goes south. I just, I'm not, I'm one of those people that God wants to live by faith. So he keeps me in the position to live by faith. And that and the other reason is that every time he gives me something, I give it away. But the, uh, but the fact is, is that a man came up to me years ago and he handed me $10,000. And he said, I'm giving you $10,000 because you need to invest. And I said, I don't know what to invest in. He said, just, he said, look, you know, I got this guy. You go talk to him. And he said, we'll set you up. We'll get you an account. You need to get an investment. So I said, okay. And I went to the guy, and the guy said, what do you want to invest in? And I said, 
I don't know. I, I don't know anything about investment. I said, I, I, you know, I invested in my six daughters, and bless God, they better give me a good return when I get old. <laughs> and so they, so I said, I don't know. I said, but I do. I said, I'm pretty, you know, I'd like to make some decent interest, but I'm also a very kind of safe kind of guy. I'm really not into gambling. And so uh, I, I really, I just like something safe, you know, where I can know that when it's there, it, when I come back for it, it'll still be there. And he said, okay, I got just thing for you. You won't get a whole lot of interest, but it'll do okay, and, and it, it, but it's very stable. Well, about two, two and a half years, three years, something like that into it, I was up like $12,200 in this thing. Man, I, I'm thinking, this is incredible. I'm going to be a millionaire soon. And next thing I get is a letter that said this, whatever I'd invested in had gone under. It was like, the name was like Bull Run or something, you know. Well, the bull ran, but... <laughs> It it, had gone under. This whole company had gone. They've been investigated and everything. It's gone. Said, your $10,000 is no more. I said, it wasn't $10,000. It was $12,200. It's gone. Now, that's a hard thing to deal with when you don't have any money. Anybody understand that feeling? Now, I know all of you got money, but, but I didn't. So it started to get... To bother me a little bit I started to get a little upset so I, I prayed one night and I said Lord I, I don't want to be upset I don't want to spend the rest of my days upset wondering if this money's coming back if I'm ever going to get any of it I, I, I just don't want to live that way so I got up and I said Lord here's what I'm gonna do if you'll send me the money back any portion of it Whatever I get back, I'll send to missions. That way it's just not thrown away. But the truth is, I know it's not coming back to my pocket anyway. The moment it comes back, it's going to missions. Do you know about three months later, I received a check for, for $7,600. They made some kind of settlement, and I, that's what I got back. I got $7,600. Do you know that night that I received it? I signed the back of it, put an envelope for missions to certain missionary couple in Africa, and I sent it off. You say, why'd you do it immediately? That's the kind of thing you don't want to think about too long. Do you understand? You better do it now. Because we discussed this very long, <laughs> even with yourself, and you're liable to get in trouble. This is the whole what God's done. He's sent its relationships. Don't hurt them. Make them right. Forgive and keep them right. And he said, and if you really want to make sure you don't bring conflict, he said, there's two things. The next two commands. He said, you got to get this thing of covetousness out of your system. Praise God for anything anybody else has got. But don't ever look and say, why don't I have? Secondly, whatever you do have, have compassion and use it for somebody else.
to me, I, I, I don't know about y'all, this stuff that I'm learning is life-changing. It's, it's punching reset buttons all over in my life. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. And just answer the question, is there anyone in this world that you would give what you have to see them to know Christ or have a better life in Christ? Is there anyone in this world that you would give anything that you have to see them come to know Christ or to see them come to have a better life in Christ? there is you've taken a major step away from covetousness to compassion and that's what he's wanting us to do replace covetousness with compassion father i ask you to bless here tonight lord jesus i thank you